On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Studio Secrets. This is our third podcast. Uh, we're going through various songs on the Medazzaland album, and I'm here with Bob St. John, the audio wizard. He's got his audio wizard hat on, um, and he's going to tell us all kinds of cool behind-the-scenes stuff. It's no longer stuff. fitting my big head. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we're going we're gonna to get into it. We've got a, a lot to talk about today. Um, it's the song Buried in the Sand, and um, we're going to you know, play the song and, you know, discuss up as much as we possibly can here about it so cool cool here we go do you remember what he was saying what he was saying yeah and the brandy he whispers that i couldn't decipher it yeah, he says like anyway any way you caught, but he says to me too or something. Yeah, let me see if I can find it. sitar came from I do was it in the track or was that yours it was mine <laughs> I don't think anything in the song is the band just Simon there's, there's some mixed keyboards in there so. what the throne yeah maybe <laughs> Say goodbye to you, I'm very 
no clue where the base parts come from. So this was uh, at Metropolis in London, Studio B. <laughs> yes. No, so we they, we did this. I remember downstairs in Studio B in Metropolis. Um, mm -hmm. I don't remember. Was it analog or well, the tra um, the that started out. That started out basically with um, with everything on the thirty three forty eight as it always does. But I don't think there's a lot of tracks that we yeah. had from there. Right now, I can't remember that song even having an actual live drum take before we started changing it. Yeah, no, I, I mean, I this is no one of the what ones. It sounded like. Yeah, this is one of the ones that I really kind of just did something completely different. I I remember taking the approach of I was influenced heavily at that time by a lot of the step programming by right. um, BT and uh, Square Pusher and stuff. It was sort uh, you know sort of that era when and I was getting really into step writing in right. Opcode's vision, and um, I remember taking some samples that you know Salvin Ty played some percussion on. On this, mm -hmm. you remember he played on the "Out of My Mind." Right, right. Know? I remember now. And, yep, yep. Yeah, and there was there was some tabla, some kind of weird drum tracks, and I remember sampling them and processing them in right in the Akai. You know how you can automate the filters and and so that that's what you hear in the beginning um, of of the song. Um, and then you know I started getting into that. You know, it's it's a little bit like drum and bass, but not really. I mean, it's got a little bit of that flavor, but it's all that's all step written. Um, all those drum bits. And I, I, I didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. I, you you were behind me with the surfboard. I don't know what yeah. in the world I was doing except trying to assimilate something out of what was there. I mean, all yeah, those I, vocals, yeah. listening to it, especially at the end of the song, those were all manually dropped in, every one of them. Yeah. I, I remember I, that because yeah. it was really hard. Yeah, I remember that. And I also remember um, coming up with the concept of the repeat of Buried in the Sand being like eight beats or 12 beats later. Remember that? It's like you were yeah. buried in the sand. That was. You were buried in the sand. And it was kind of, we were going for that like Sergeant Pepper, I buried Paul kind of right, right. vibe, you know? <laughs> <laughs> because yeah, it, there's some really, really cool vocal effects. I love the vocal effects on this. Um, I don't remember exactly what you did. A lot of vo Vortex and prime time and whatever we yeah, had. Yeah, that, that, that's definitely the Vortex on the vocal. That That's that's the only thing that made that sound back then. Yeah, and um, you know, you would switch. You would morph from effect A to effect B as you yeah, were printing I it I forgot it had that really cool thing. You could turn the knob and it would go from one to the other and... Yeah, that was the whole and, thing is to morph between effects, and you can. It's yeah. very. It's pretty clear on this track. Um, it yeah. was a lot of fun. Um, so what else do we can we talk about with this track? I mean, the vocal treatments were really extensive, and like you know, just the the whole feel of the rhythm track. I think the bass was definitely Warren, um, for sure, playing with like that bass with the vibrato. Right. And that that must have been cut at Privacy with Tinley and Nick. But I, I think they see they did that they did that before we worked on it. So I just don't remember. I wish we had a copy of what it was before because yeah, that would I be mean, really interesting. Most of the songs I can remember a drum track, and then the, this one I can't remember a drum track in it. 
Yeah. You know, and, I, and when we were talking before the podcast, I was trying to remember when we did it. You refreshed my memory because I thought it was towards the end, but that was kind of in the middle. We were, we were probably about four weeks into re-recording, yeah. mixing. I don't know what to call what we did. It's recording, yeah, this, mixing. Yeah, this one was, this one was pretty extensive. Um, I actually remembered something just now, um, mm-hmm. listening to it was, um, there's a, a, a section towards the end where there's a bunch of Mellotron parts. And right. I remember playing those live. I didn't program those. I remember because if you listen, they're not in the same time signature as the rest of the song. It's that like, do da do da da. So it's it's groups of three and it's like and I, I there's no rhyme or reason to any of them. I just I remember you going into record and I just played, and and we went wow that's cool. And um, a fun thing to do after hearing that and getting that memory back is mm-hmm. I kind of like to dig out my JV 1080 with the uh, expansion boards that it has and I, I think I can remember some of those patches um, I really look, I could just play a few little snippets for people it's uh if anybody remembers the Roland JV 1080 it was a really great um, synth um, and it had a lot of voices but you could get these expansion uh, cards and one of them was a uh, was a uh, vintage Mellotrons, and there was a whole bunch of great Mellotron sounds. I need to find. Right. I remember again. that thing sitting in the rack in the, in the yep. end of the control room. Yeah, and, and and your zone, we'll call it. Yeah, and uh, I I I really love that thing, and that would be a cool thing to 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 show people a little bit. Um, and I also that all those filter bass things that are like wow, all that crazy like sort of like percolating synth bass stuff. I remember that was when I was heavily into like um, editing like um, Aftertouch data, right. which is like something new to me. Like, so I would play stuff and then I'd find the little, you know, filter sweeps and like the various control CC, you know, bits of information, then copy and paste them and stuff. I thought that was really cool. I mean, that was kind of like new territory for me. Right, um, right. In, in vision. And you can hear that too um, as well. And, I, I, and then there's the famous Astro Boy patch in there. I hear some of that. <laughs> Remember Astro Boy? <laughs> yeah, I remember Astro Boy. I mean, you know, the thing is, I was I listened to it earlier this afternoon. And I'm like, this is a little bit of the Ajax Rayovac disc. It's also a little bit of um, John P. The stuff we did in John P. in the pawn shop. I hear yep. a, a commonality, and then you know, I can remember when we got back to Boston. You and I listening to this really loud in my car. The just, low end. I don't know what you yeah. did with the low end. Is it's the, the low end was back then was 120 XDS for sure. They, yeah. I I didn't have a lot of go tos in terms of enhancing. Like you yeah. know now we have so many other tools for that. But that was it. But the thing is, used it judiciously on some pieces. Oddly enough, I used it on the bass, and that's yeah. what makes that. If you listen really close, you can almost hear the octave sometimes. You know. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's a, it's I, a love great... the, I love that bass part. It's just an invention, some it sort. It really is. It really is incredible. That's like one and of the. I, yeah, the key thing. But I think you assembled it from stuff that he played, if I remember yeah. right. I, yeah. I, I probably did. I, that's what I was doing. I remembered re-triggering a lot of stuff. Um, and there's this sort of uneasy feeling of circulating time signatures. It doesn't all feel like in 4-4. <laughs> and if it's you not. notice, if, like... when, the song, when the song starts, mm-hmm. where, you think, where you think one is is not where one is and then when the, when it finally kicks in you're like oh what was that so that that's for years that's been one of my fun yeah, endless mind tricks is is messing around with displacing rhythms and um i think i had a little bit of free and, and the on intro that. goes so long you think you're in the groove of the song and it just crashes and you don't know where you're going yeah and then yeah then boom you know so we spent i don't know i think we spent at least three or four days 
That, that sounds like three days worth of work. It wasn't, you know, yeah. I mean, it's not on the level of like an invention where like White Lines was yeah, or, or Barbarella. Barbarella was that, that, you know, those those things were definitely four days. I mean, I think White Lines was five days. It's a long, long time. Yeah. Yeah. You know. There was a lot more live instruments. That's why, you know, yeah. we had to yeah. move, move so much. And around. also, I mean, you know, this song's a total invention um, where, where White Lines, we did use some of the oh, tracks yeah, yeah. that we had there. I wish we had a rough mix of this with the drums in it. Oh, <laughs> me too. What in yeah. the world was there? <laughs> That's um. So I th- th- I have one really fantastic story um about this track, and I'm, I I think you might remember. I don't know where you were, but like at, after it was done, we sent it to the guys. We, they would I think they would use a courier to bring the dats. Yeah, we always <laughs> used a courier. We we would make dats for everybody. We usually had to make yeah. three dats and yeah. three couriers and, would come. And, uh, I guess Simon was so surprised and shocked by it because it was so different than what they were used to hearing that he he really really loved it and he sent a car to get me. I, I don't know if I was if I was at the apartment. The we, big no, pink, we were at the studio. I, I opted yeah. to not come. I was so tired. I, I remember this vividly. Oh, I see. I don't remember that part. Yeah, and, uh, I don't do so good with the with the yeah. time change of six hours and yeah. and yeah. you you're you're a midnight owl anyhow, and I'm just yeah. not. And so, you said yes. you were going out. You asked me if I wanted to come. I'm like, nah, nah, yeah. you go. Not knowing what would happen. So this was one of the craziest nights of my life. Was um, and this, the story goes well. The, the limo picks me up and takes me to this like exclusive club in, called Browns. Okay, and it was like a club that you had to almost check in, like a hotel. Like there's a front desk, and you go in there, and there's all these different clubs in this complex. So th- there's the first part of this is really interesting because they. They had me down there and they, they escorted me to this room and I walked through the door and it was like, it felt like I w- it was like 1894. There was like rows of English gentlemen with bolder hats, like smoking cigars and drinking cognac and playing chess and like all, and, and the whole scene was like in black and white, except for Simon LeBon standing up at the back with these lime green shirt and like these white leather pants. And it was like, all, it was like he was the only thing that was in color in the, in the whole picture. And I was just like, it just was so surreal. And he, sta- he stands up and he goes, over here. And I walked back to the, the booth that he was in and he grabs me and squeezes me and starts lifting me up and down, up and down, saying, what you did, what you did, what you did. And I was like, I was, it was like one of the greatest moments in my life. I mean, it doesn't get better than that, you know? Right. And um, so we, we sat down and we started drinking Cosmopolitans. That's what he, Simon likes. And he, you know, That's what I'm Simon gonna drink. likes, yes. And I was going to drink the same thing. And so we had a couple of those. And then we were escorted into the manager's office. And there were some people in there. And we're just chatting and, you know, they're sending us drinks in the office. And then the manager says, um, this was the night before the Brit Music Awards. And uh, he says, hey, would you guys like to uh, visit the artiste? And I'm like, no, because that was at the time when Prince was going by a symbol symbol, instead of instead of a name. And I said, you mean I said Prince? And he goes, yeah, he's in the red room. You guys want to go visit? And I'm, I'm like, oh, yeah. And then Simon goes, oh, he's a bull. You know, so, um, so I said, no, 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 no. We got to go. We got to go. We got to go. I got to meet him. I'm a huge fan. So we get escorted, um, through the kitchen. Like, it's just like in the movie, like up a back, you know, like staircase and we're going up, we're going up the stairs and all of a sudden two bodyguards grab me and throw me out into the, um, alley. 
You know, it's just like, like I was riffraff because I didn't look like everybody else, you know? So I'm like standing there in the alley and I'm going, oh my God, I almost met Prince, you know? I'm like, and that was good enough for me, you know? But then all of a sudden Simon sticks his head out and he goes, stay close, stay close. And, and I go in and I, and I follow him up the stairs and then we go into this big red room. And it's like, it's just like out of a movie on the couch is Prince with two beautiful girls, one on each arm on this couch. And he's got the, he's got the lace collar, the whole, all dressed up like velvet. I mean, it was like, it was like a photo shoot. I couldn't believe it. So there, there's two other chairs in the corner, like next to the the couch. And we pushed them in a little closer and we shook hands and Simon introduced me and we just started chit chatting and, um, I couldn't help it. I just, I, I went right into talking about the Lindrum because the Lindrum was, you know, where I got my start in this whole industry. Exactly. Yeah. And, uh, and he's like, oh yeah, the Lindrum, you know, and I, I said, you know, do you remember like that company North Star? There was like the 55 gallon drum hit with a sledgehammer. He's like, oh yeah, North Star. I'm like, and we're talking about like these sounds that were like $40 for like a 4K chip. You know, right? I remember. And, and and we just we started really getting into like Lindrum conversations, and then Simon's bored. The two girls are bored, and so <laughs> so Simon just all of a sudden gets frustrated with me. And he grabs me really hard by the arm, and he goes, "Anthony, you whore! No shop talk!" And he drags me away, and that was, and 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 then and then I just waved goodbye to Prince, and that was that that was that story, you know. And we ended up going into like an, another part of the bar and dancing, and drinking. And I think I got in about 5 a.m. You know, with the and worst I remember, hangover. I, remember. I think you remember you could smell vodka. Yeah, I, I was I was actually room. awake. Yeah. I was awake when you came in, and you yeah. said you're just never going to believe this. And you're telling me this in a semi-drunken <laughs> stupor. And of course, me, I'm like barely awake. And I'm like, huh? And you said Prince yeah. was there. I said, what? The Prince? You said no, Prince. I mean, the Prince? You know, Prince, <laughs> Prince. Purple yeah, rain, man. Yeah, that's one of the that's one of the craziest memories I'll ever ever have. You know, um, for sure, it was a, a night to remember. So that this song will always bring that back to me. Um, you know, so it was, since it was before the night before the Brit Awards, that does put it towards the end of our trip to London. That trip to London, okay, which was actually I think is the last time we were there. Um, so this was yes. like either the last or second to last song we mixed. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So yeah, many stories. I, I knew there was something um, oddly melancholy about the song that I always had, and I can remember now because it was right towards the end of that. We, we yeah, I think mm, the rest we did when we came back to Boston. I'm pretty sure yep. that was where out of my mind was in Boston, and so long suicide was here, Miami. That was that was such a such a crazy time. <laughs> it was a crazy time. <laughs> I remember. I, I remember the last night before the plane flight. I was. Yeah, you're right because it wasn't much longer after that that I was having like Mexican food <laughs> in a in a Mexican restaurant in London, and I was like sitting there, and I knew we were going to catch a plane the next morning. I just couldn't believe that it was over. It was like it's so hard to go from this world where you're being treated like royalty and waited on, and uh, and, and you know another cappuccino, Mr. Resta, another cognac, you know, and like you know you you're living like a rock star. And right. then you fly back to your hometown, Westford, Mass, and you're standing in line at Dunkin' Donuts going, did this happen? <laughs> you know, it's like... Listen, it's a... I, I, I get that sensation. Every now and then, I'm trying to remember what song I heard. I was um I was walking through a, a clothing store, and you know, they just got music playing. And yep. there was one of these songs we did. I don't know if it was on Medazzaline or not. It was a deep cut. I'm like, and first of yep. all, I'm like, is that... what? 
is that playing? And I remember I was standing in the aisle. It was, um, uh, I was standing, it was a Bell's outlet, like a clothing, like TJ Maxx sort of store. Yeah. And I'm listening to the song. And this is, I'm just thinking how far away <laughs> this is 10 years later in like yeah. Fort Lauderdale, listening to the music we created in London in a studio. And here I am. Yeah, it's it's a bizarre. bill in one hand and a pair of pantyhose yeah. in the other. But here I am. <laughs> it's an uh, you, have to, you have to give a little background on that. It was a it was a, a record that you had that was, a, was a, used to back get all from these my great, radio days. Yeah, yeah, all these great demonstration records. Um, that was it was about a public service announcement. That's what it was a, uh, about mail yeah, mail theft. It was a yeah. yeah. It was about it was about like mail fraud or being forced to buy things <laughs> that you didn't pay for, and it says there you are alone in the universe, a pair of pantyhose in one hand and a bill in the other. <laughs> Amazing man, I, yeah, that's great. I'm sorry to interrupt. I was just okay. thinking of another time we heard music. We were in King's Cross in Sydney working on Nuno's record, and we walked by this club, and this white lines was like booming out of the club at like. <laughs> You know, two hundred <laughs> decibels, and we're like, so "Oh my loud. god!" Yeah, it was like the whole the whole street was shaking with white lines, and we're like just standing there, going, "Oh my god, it's we're in Australia!" Surreal. It's so yeah. surreal, you know. Yeah. People, you know, don't you don't understand that when you do stuff, and and you know, things we move on, we go, we work on a project like that, and that's intense. I mean, that's intense, yeah. honestly. It is literally yeah. like making love for like eight weeks without you stopping. Yeah, and so yeah. You're, it's become so much a part of you. Then you move on, and you're just on to the next job. We don't really think about it yeah. because there's such um, there's such emotional baggage with things. First of all, stuff that was going on in our life, stuff that we're doing oh, in the job, yeah. and just trying to make these guys happy. You know, at the end of the day, that's you know all we've got. And then you know, <laughs> you don't listen to it for a while. You move on to another project. Sometimes I've heard stuff that we've worked on, whether it was Collective Soul or Schizophonic, or yeah. Duran stuff, on the radio, and I don't recognize it immediately, except that it sounds familiar. <laughs> you know, uh, on good days it's like, wow, that sounds good. On bad days it's like, that sucks. I wonder, oh, 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 <laughs> fuck. What was I thinking? <laughs> what was I thinking? It's called growing up in public. <laughs> growing up in public. That's I a good wish one. I could remember which Duran song it was. It was just a song you wouldn't have expected to hear, you know, yeah. in a store. But obviously, it got in some music compilation, and there it was. Sure. And there I was, just standing there, and you know, I was just smiling. I'm pretty sure I either called you or texted you when I did it. It was years ago, but I'm like, yeah, what? A, this is it. This is what we've been reduced to. Yeah. Here it is. It's now playing out oh. of a three-inch speaker in a convenience store. Yeah. <laughs> you know you've arrived. All those hundreds of hours, yeah. <laughs> That's it. You know, this is so much fun, and I'm enjoying these episodes so much. Is I feel like after we get through Medazzaland, at some point we have to do a series on thank you, because there's just as many great stories on thank you. Um, all yeah, all those songs. Yeah, I'm walking through Chiswick and me humming sm "Follow the Smell of the Burning Pig." And it was like because of the bake, the bacon was so wonderful there. <laughs> a rasher of bacon. Uh, rashers. I, 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 re I remember vividly. I don't know which trip that was. Remember the the very like like um, Hungarian Polish looking waitress who worked in one of those places. I do. I do. She always she everything she said sounded in the form of a question because her English was really bad. Yep. And I know what you're like about to say. The second to last day we we're there, you know. I always ordered white toast, and you always ordered wheat toast. And she would look, and everything came in the form of a question, no matter what it was. Like, 
Here's your milk. Would you like coffee? <laughs> and and that, so yeah. I said white toast. You said wheat toast. She says, mm, and she barely spoke. And then she says, mm, different toast. <laughs> That's it. So different she toast. walked away and you just said, I want to marry that woman. <laughs> Well, I wanted a t-shirt that said different toast on it for years. I never got around to making it. You know, I think it's just great. You know, it's, it kind of sums up the universe, you know, you know, that, that's the thing. Profound. People always, you know, when you tell people, I don't always tell people what I do, especially if I'm at a party, because the, the thing is it, you know, without being too arrogant or self aggrandizing, what we do is a pretty interesting job compared to most people's jobs. And then people just want to talk all about that and what are people like and this sort of thing. And it, it becomes it becomes number one annoying after a while. Number two, you feel like you're dominating the conversation because well, well face it, we're so fucking special, right? And you know it, and I'm not and I'm you know saying if you're an accountant you're pretty special too. But you know, yeah. it's it's not as special yeah. as I'm hanging out at Brown's with Prince special. Yeah. So. <laughs> You're amazing. I mean, what exciting uh, thing happened in your job today? Uh, well, <laughs> I, I I took an Uber to Doral, and um, and then I think I took an um, maybe I went home. I, I don't know. And, and Anthony, what did you do today? Well, I hung out with Prince talking about Lindrum chips. <laughs> uh. We worked a very amorphic schedule. I don't think we had a set schedule. And if it was going really good, we'd go to like two or three in the morning. No, it, if it was, wasn't going it was, good. Start, we'd knock yeah. off around ten because it's you know we'd start we'd start later and later and then kind of eventually it would go in a cycle like that sometimes. Well, me more that way than you because you were you yeah. you're always a little bit more like focused on a schedule and I'm. I, at, at that time, I was, you know, drinking a lot of cognac and stuff, and I was getting, you know, having trouble getting, waking up. Do you remember how, how we were talking about, you know, we feel much better about this job if the accountant just came in every day and dropped a wheelbarrow of cash in the corner? <laughs> that's that's where we coined the phrase, wheelbarrows full of showbiz cash. It's like, yeah. you know, you work and you work and you work, and it's like, you know, you wait for the wire transfer. But I was thinking yeah. it would be really nice if that, you know, they had a very nerdy sort of um, accountant guy who would bring our per diems. Yeah, had glasses. I can't remember his name. And and we, but uh, it would spend be it all on booze. Yeah, yeah. That's well. That's when you mentioned cognac. I just remember we just it was just the you know the Metropolis Bar and Grill. And yeah, but they had like like really nice stuff like Hennessy XO. It wasn't like oh, your yeah. mill. No, we had um, the good stuff. We had the good yeah, stuff that you know. I, I can still see Jonathan up there making us coffees at like eleven thirty because there was nobody there. And I'm looking. I'm like, they don't close this bar up. I mean, who's really yes. watching it? <laughs> it's, yeah, it was a great place. It's a beautiful studio. Just the, the you know, the whole atmosphere of oh, the big the high best, ceilings man. in the lobby. And I want to go back there and visit someday, you know. I, somebody, uh, is this guy on Facebook who uh, posts, uh, Daniel Salt is his name, who just posts pictures of studios everywhere. And he had a picture of Metropolis B. It was obvious. I could tell just looking at it. And I just said, yeah. hey, I spent like two months in there. It is like yeah, a second a, home. And that I loved that it was downstairs. That was so us. It was so away yep. from the din of everything, you know. Yeah. Uh, that you know, yep. you very rarely heard anything down there. People had to have a purpose to come downstairs. Was there anything? Oh, there was another studio across the hall that with the head of the Neve yeah. in it. But we we ended up where the the big room upstairs with the electrostatic speakers and the giant Focusrite console. Yeah. A yeah. couple of times, and I felt really uncomfortable up there. I didn't like that room. I, I know what you're talking about. I, I didn't didn't dig that. It just yeah. the vibe was different upstairs. Maybe it was just being thirty feet higher in the air that did it for me. Remember, <laughs> don't you remember the day we were 
We couldn't stop this. There's two two special moments for you. Remember, we're downstairs, and what it is is people upstairs, it echoes through the place. Okay. Remember the picture that has the big control panel mm-hmm. over by the window? So you and I are downstairs, and there's a little kid with his mother, and he's walking up, Mom, what? my icky bum hurts. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that? I, re- I do remember. You do now. <laughs> Just, I do remember that. In fact, you and I, I were mimicking it for days. And you know, that kid's like 27 years old now. Think about that. God, I, I mean, feel that's, old. That's, that's how much time has gone by. We're at the 25th anniversary of this album. That's like that's why we're doing these. It's fantastic, Bob. I really enjoyed this, and I can't wait to do the next one. Um, maybe I'm thinking out of mind. Out of out of. Out of mind, out of my mind's a good one because that that yeah. that's been that splits into a couple things because there was the different studios. remix, there was the session in Boston, there was the let's not forget the session in Boston with John Taylor there, you know yeah. I, I don't think we were exactly his heroes at that point but yeah yeah oh there's a lot and then there's the, the I was too hungover from drinking with Simon to play drums and I had Dave Desenzo come in and he nailed oh, it God. that was I had the worst <laughs> hangover of my life and I called Dave and I'm like Dave do you want to play drums on a Duran track he goes I'm on my way. <laughs> It's a great track. <laughs> oh, it's amazing. And, and that was his warm-up take. You know, we, let's not give it all away now. We have to say I'm that. I'm not going to give it, shh, nothing. For the nothing else. One. So, yeah, that'll be the next one will be uh, out of my mind. <laughs> That's going to be a little bit longer because there's a lot more That might have to be a two-part. That might have to be a yeah. two-part because there was yeah. the sessions with the remix as well that was upstairs. Yeah, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah. Well, cool, yeah. Bob. It's, all right. It's wonderful to share these memories with you. Thanks. Thanks for doing this. <laughs> no problem, my friend. I'm going to um, play a couple of sounds from the JV-1080 from the uh, expansion, Mellotron expansion board. Um, these are those kind of ad-libby um, parts I did in the middle where I was playing like an odd time signature against the groove. So this first sound I'm going to audition um, is from the Roland JV-1080 expansion board. There's a lot of really great Mellotron sounds. This was one that I, um, uh, it's called Tron Quartet. And I'm actually running it through a Roland sound space, which is uh, something I did a lot back in the day just for effect. But this is the exact sound that you hear is the lead melody line on that. So here it is. used to make pads out of these uh, um, different Tron um, patches. And what you can do is you can layer them in the JV like four at a time. So this one's like a mixture of uh, choir, strings, um, and like a tape sound, like a Mellotron tape through a tape echo kind of thing. So it creates this nice really warm pad. Here's that. This was a patch that I used to use a lot back in the day, and it's funny, I could make this patch on almost any synth. My ear just gravitates toward this sound. I call it Astro Boy, and you can hear it in Buried in the Sand and maybe a couple of other Duran tracks on Medazzolan. This one is called Rubber Bass, and it's a typical JV bass sound. It might not be the exact one I used in the track, but um, you, it's got that character, it's that Super Jupiter kind of uh, filtered out character. 
And that concludes our episode um, number three of Studio Secrets, A to Z.com. Um, make sure to like, comment, etc. And if you want to get a hold of me, it's Studio Secrets, A to Z.com. achieve the American dream, the big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would I shop? Would I shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom and dad. My mom and my dad. From Airship. The studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.